We laugh. We cry. We learn. But really, what doesn't kill you makes you better at managing clients and everyone. I'm Morgan Friedman, and this is Client Horror Stories. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Client Horror Stories. I'm excited to have Matt Davis, the rocker, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, with me today, but we're not going to be talking about his rock band, but his day job instead. Uh, Matt, great to have you here. Hey, I'm excited to be here. And uh, yeah, client horror stories. We we get that. So Definitely. Speaking of you getting it. Let's jump into one. I'm excited to discover what kind of story do you have in store for us today? Well, you know, the the thing I like, let's if we're going to talk about something, I like to have a, a teachable moment for lack of a better word. And so I run a law firm and I practiced law in a, really in my hometown for about 20 years until I had a midlife crisis and started a law firm. And so one thing I really learned about client horror stories is that we, we try and identify the psychographics of the people that give us trouble. Okay. Because then you can avoid it. Right. And the thing, one of the ones we always focus on and we teach our attorneys about, because I learned it the hard way, right. Several times is called the drama triangle. <laughs> Tell us about the drama triangle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the drama triangle is, you know, in in my sort of amateur psychologist or psychiatrist world, I call it a social construct, okay? And the idea is that this is the way some people like to build their relationships in the world. So we all know people that love to be the victim, right? That's, That's the role they take on in life. And sometimes people will, you know, live it as their their way through life. Sometimes people will just get into feeling sorry for themselves. And there was a, what was his name? He wrote about it like back in 1968. And I learned about it um, the hard way and then went to a seminar about it with David Emerald. But so this victim, they have a persecutor, right? Somebody is persecuting them. And that person really may be persecuting them, or they may not be. I mean, the, per- the victim may just want to feel that way. And what the victim does is goes and looks for a rescuer. So there's your drama triangle of, you know, the persecutor, the victim, the victim's the key player in it, and then the victim goes and seeks out a rescuer. So I'm in the law business. Who do you think likes to play the rescuer? The lawyer. The lawyer. And by the way, the lawyers get an emotional payoff by helping the victim. In effect, it becomes a really sick and unhealthy relationship. So I think about this, and I've got a great friend. He's a fantastic lawyer. 
you know, one of the just best on his feet, you know, you're fighting with him in court and he'll just pull something out of his behind. And you're just like, where did he get that? This guy is a genius, right? And, but he loves to play the rescuer for anybody that walks in his office with $200 down or whatever. I mean, my, my other friend is his law partner and talks about how many cases he takes and how few cases he gets paid on because he is, you know, giving away his time because he's not giving, because he's getting the emotional payoff of being the rescuer. Right. So, so this is an interesting point. On the one hand, I think that part of the definition of being a professional is having this boundary and like, like the professional by their, by almost by definition is the outsider expert that comes in, will look at it objectively, will, will help you. But on the other hand, most professionals are not motivated only by money. Like there's money, yeah. but you also want to help and want to do good. So it's natural to segue into that. It, it is natural, but you know, there, there is a, there's a point where the relationship is healthy and there's a point where it's just sick. And, you know, the, the issue really boils down to, as a professional, can you help this person, right? Or is this person just perpetuating a drama triangle? Because guess what happens? If the rescuer does not perform exactly to the specifications of the victim, the rescuer becomes the persecutor. That's interesting. And because there, you know, what happens is the the victim goes, well, they, the, this person is not accomplishing what I want to. They are persecuting. They are not taking care of me. They are not fulfilling my needs. Right. Okay. So. And interesting. It's it's a fine line to make sure that when you're trying to save someone or help them, that that you don't like. I, I could see it very easily where like where the person being persecuted was addicted to the uh, the persecutor, but now becomes addicted to you instead, replacing one addiction for the other, for example. And, and you know, on a professional level, again, we teach our lawyers to do this because we, you know, we have psychographics. I've got 13 lawyers that work for me and growing, and we have psychographics of people who are, are going to be problems for us and, you know, or in, in payment terms or in long-term relationship terms. Let's yes. tell a story. So I, I practice it. what we call county seat law. Okay. That means I left Washington, DC, came back to my hometown of 50,000 people and just started taking whatever I could to make a living and did really well with it. But I made lots of mistakes. And this is one of the mistakes I made. So I did family law, I did criminal, criminal law. Then the this was the straw that broke the camel's back for us, just quitting family law. I got a case, it was a, a guy I was acquainted with, and he had a problem with his ex-wife, okay? She hated his guts. And by the way, she had very good reason to hate his guts because he had, you know, run around on her and got another woman pregnant. Right. That 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 tends not to make 
a spouse happy, right? Usually it makes them unhappy. Yeah, usually that, you know, that, that tends to torque them off a little bit. And he kept coming to me, kept coming to me, kept, I want to do something about, you know, it had to do with um, relationship with his kids and how he felt like she was interfering with his relationship with his kids. And, you know, she, she legitimately was. Um, but, you know, he, he wanted to be the victim in the whole deal. And I worked on explaining to him, look, your case is in front of a judge who handles the de deprived children docket or the, you know, the abused children docket. So, you know, this judge is hearing cases about kids whose, you know, abusive parents are putting out cigarettes on their forehead or, you know, who are leaving them in hot cars in the middle of an Oklahoma summer or, you know, are not feeding them or, or you know, are the DHS workers, that's human services, going into the house and you've got dog feces all over the floor. You know, there's that's that's what this judge hears all day. And, you know, to my client, he doesn't care about the fact that you don't get every bit of visitation you want. Right now, I let myself get caught in this drama triangle because I finally started feeling sorry for him. And maybe that's the point is when you start to really feel sorry for him, you know, most people aren't just at the end of the day, aren't that big of victims of their circumstances. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it legitimately happens. But there's usually two sides to every story, right? And and when they can't see it and are drawing you in, then you know you need to be aware of of that. So as you were starting to be drawn in, did you realize you were being drawn in and this was happening, or is this only something you realized post no. You know, I I think. Boy, I, I cannot tell you, um, you know, I think he was pretty persistent in getting me to help him. And and by the way, I'd made the mistakes many, many times before over the course of my career. And, you know, I don't practice a lot anymore because I mainly run the firm. Um, so I, I don't get into it. But and it, it's easier in some sorts of law, you know, family and criminal um, and we're we're a business law firm. That's that's all we do. So sometimes you'll see it. But I guess back to your question. Um, I don't know how I got suckered into it. At some point, I just felt sorry for him. And I'm like, OK, let's let's go take this to the courthouse. And, um, you know, of course, we get to the courthouse. He won't take any responsibility for his role in the deal. And about. Two hours into the first hearing, this judge is losing his mind on this guy. And because he won't answer questions, he thinks he doesn't have to. He thinks he just gets to show up and have a tantrum and that he is completely justified. And the judge is just going to you know, butter his bread. And because he's the victim, right? He cannot see anything objectively and it's my job to rescue him and 
I mean, the judge shut down the hearing, torqued off on this guy and said, you're going to go get this. You're going to go get that. You're going to go get these records. You're going to go get those records. And, you know, ultimately just read him the riot act and sent us packing and said, we'll see you back in, you know, whatever, two weeks or a month or whatever. And we get back to the office and all of a sudden, you know, I'm not the rescuer anymore. And I'm trying to sit here going, guy, this is what I was trying to tell you. But when they want, you know, when these clients, when these victims don't take any responsibility and just expect somebody else to pull them up by their bootstraps, which, by the way, one of the lines in our family is, you know, the people you pull up by their bootstraps turn around and screw you over, you know, because they don't have any skin in the game. They don't have any responsibility. Anyway, with this one, we end up back at court. The judge thumps him, as I tried to tell him was going to happen, as frankly, I tried to tell him was going to happen from the start, because the judge just this was, you know, so outside the realm of what this judge is actually concerned about. And there you go. Ultimately, I got about a thousand word text from his new wife telling me what a lousy SOB I was, which, by the way, they didn't pay their bill, of course. Right. And just excoriating me. And ultimately, I sat down at our firm meeting and I read the entire text to everybody. And then- <laughs> So, you know, there's 10 people sitting around the table and they're just all shaking their heads and half cackling. And ultimately, I said, guys, this is why two points here. This is why we don't do family law anymore. OK, that's a broad point. But I said or that's the the more tactical point, the strategic point. I said, this is why we learn to watch for people who are playing the drama triangle game. Because when they are, we're eventually going to be the persecutor. Because there's some point that we are not going to be able to perform to their specifications because they are unreasonable, they are not objective, and they won't take responsibility for their circumstances. And they have completely unrealistic expectations because of that. I love it. And there is... A lot to unpack, um, unpack there. Um, so, so a couple of things. First, I have a point that has nothing to do with client horror stories or the theme. I just find it fascinating. I'm not a lawyer and I know nothing about it, but I never thought about uh, doing a psychographic profile of the judge. I think it's really interesting. Oh, yeah, the judge sees cases of kids, parents putting cigarettes out in, in their head. So, of course, you don't get enough time. Like, like he'll, he'll think it's bullshit. So, so I, I think it's, I think understanding everyone, including the judge of the court case is, um, is, 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 is very powerful. Uh, yeah. You need to, you need to know who you're going in front of and what they want, what they like and what they don't. And, and, you know, fortunately that was here on my home turf. So I, I knew the judge, but I mean, I had to go to court down in Southern Oklahoma. I got drug into a deal and I hadn't put on a suit in a year and <laughs> literally in Monday. What are suits? Yeah. What's a, I mean, literally I had to go dang to, you know, 
I, I kind of fattened up this year and uh, I'm like, well, I guess I have a suit. I have here. <laughs> I found one anyway. And uh, so, yeah. And I didn't know the judge, you know, I'm calling all my buddies from law school going, Hey, you know, who's this judge? Like, give me, give me the skinny on this guy. What, you know, what does he like me to deliver to him? So. So now I love the story. One of the main questions that stands out of my mind listening to you is I think your advice is overall fantastic. You need a psychographic profile of um, of, of, your, of, of your client so that uh, so you can look at for the risk signs of of a drama of an emerging drama triangle so you can stay away. But what would you say are some of the critical or the key factors or signs that you that you look for in order to identify? this sort of site, like this sort of psychographic profile. So, you know, who to avoid. Yeah, absolutely. And by, you know, it's not like we're every client that comes in, we're like, Oh, this person falls into this. We're looking for the, you know, the problem clients. And so that that's the question. And the question, you know, it's when they, there's the, the key thing is when, they won't take any responsibility for the situation that they've got themselves in. And so we have a business client. And, and by the way, I mean, from a, from a management perspective, this is really important too. The, the, the concept of knowing this, you know, one of my lawyers um, up in Missouri or Missouri, depending on which side of the Missouri River you're on, they they literally say it differently. And wait, 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 hold on, I didn't know this. Where did they say Missouri? In Missouri, Missouri is south of the Missouri, and, and then Missouri is north. So I think that's I, right. So and every, south. <laughs> every every state is weird, you know. Every every state has got its own weird stuff. But that be that as it may, and he is a a. Uh, and he'll tell you because I'm on his case and now he doesn't do it much anymore. He will take on these people like lost puppies. And, and he took on this case and this, our client just would not, would not, would not take any responsibility in the deal. He was in what we call a business divorce from some partners and just would, you know, would not accept any responsibility for the fact that his partners were mad at him. And, and, you know, they were objectively jerks and we were fighting with um, one of the really big law firms, which is what we do all the time. They think they're big and tough. And we're just like, okay, we fight with you all the time and you don't scare us. And, and so, um, and, and, you know, they were really being obnoxious jerks and we were just popping them back in the nose. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to go, okay, everybody's got some responsibility in in a deal and um and you know we knew this guy did and we knew that he wouldn't fess it up for lack of a better word and we knew that his just that his expectations were a little unreasonable and um those, you know those are the key things you look for is when you know a lack of responsibility and, and just self-awareness you know, when, when that self-awareness of, hey, some of this is my fault or I have some, you know, contribution to the problem versus. 
And you you mentioned uh, one characteristic in passing that I think is useful to emphasize, which is unrealistic expectations. Yeah, that is that is a huge red flag from the beginning, and in, uh, in, in, in my experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And you know, I I maybe call those um, grudge matches, and what I mean by that is the grudge match is when the other person has so egregiously wronged you that, you know, all gloves are off. The rules don't apply. We're going to do whatever it takes to take them down. Kind of like what our friends in Washington are doing right now. Have you noticed that? Yeah. I mean, they're just throwing all the rules of decorum out the window because the Democrats and Republicans are so mad at each other and basically have been for about the last 20 years. I mean, you know, this is not like it was when I was a kid and Ron Reagan and Tip O'Neill would throw punches at each other and then would go sit down and have a scotch, right? That's not going on in Washington. At least I don't have the perception it is. Okay, so the grudge match, when when you've got that, yeah, I'm unrealistic expectations. I'm completely, you know, and wow, that's, yeah, we see that and we're like, you know, when we do our case reviews with our lawyers, we're like, hey, you know, watch this one. Don't do so, this. So this leads me to wonder when like a potential client comes in to your office, is there a way where you can send like we won't like you because before you even get involved, you want to be able to smell it out and say, okay, are they likely to have realistic expectations? Are they likely to take some sort of responsibility, I, I, I wonder. I wonder if there's a way to figure uh, to figure that so, something. I, I, I'm not a lawyer, so it's a very different context. Something I've done sometimes is early on in a relationship, business and personal, uh, start a fight on something really, really little on purpose, unlike the stupidest thing uh, possible, in order to see how they respond. Like, uh, like, like, do they immediately like go on attack mode? Do they, um, do they immediately go on? Oh, it's all just a miscommunication mode today. And, and then, and it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Morgan, man, you, you are, you're raw. You, you are a New Yorker after all. I am a New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go fish. Um, yeah, that, that, that. Yeah, we're we're not going to do that. But you know, maybe you should have gone to law school. So there you go. That's I mean, yeah, that, I mean it's an interesting tactic, um, and it, it probably you know stands a little bit of reason. So not it's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. It's pretty funny. Um, yeah. Um, I, by, by the way, just like like to run with that, I do that sort of thing in in a lot of different contexts. I like I when I interview people to hire them often. I will say something that's completely wrong, uh, like completely false, and I'll do like just to see if they correct me or not. And um, and and it's it's in this similar little vein of these of these of these little tests to see to see how how do people like how do people respond when the person in power when like when uh, when the person interviewing you or your boss like says there's something something wrong because I don't want to hire the people that are like yes sir yes sir yes sir and don't call me on it. I want to hire the people that call me on it yeah. but call me on it in like an elegant and professional uh, like in, 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 a, in a healthy way i yeah you know speaking of let's just go off subject for because if yeah. we can you know we're big boys we can do what we want um 
I've got, I've, I've got a new interview. You're, question. you're especially a big boy since you're no longer fitting into your suit. You need to go to court. Hey, I've, I've lost some weight. I've been, <laughs> I just kind of uh, ate what I wanted to for, and I tried some weird diet my wife came up with, and it just didn't work. And so, there you go. So I'll, I'll lose some weight. I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I, I, my weight just goes, and it drives me bonkers. Um, but no, I've got this great question. I don't know where I picked it up. I was trying to think the other day where, you know, we need people who are problem solvers, not problem bringers, right? And that's that was a really interesting distinction to learn in yes. life, you know, because we've got to create solutions for people. I mean, I had one of the DAs, I, I had pulled all these stunts one day to get, um, I think I, I had to get, oh, we were trying to get my my fourth kid, my second son is adopted from Russia. And we had to get all this documentation to Russia because um, you have to do these post reports. And um, I, I had to pull all these strings with these doctors to get these reports. And I was just calling in favors. And she was completely horrified about this DA about, you know, what, what I'd done. I was sitting there laughing with one of the bailiffs and she's like, I can't believe you did all that, you know, calling in favors and pushing these doctors buttons and so on. I said, you know, I don't know what you get that don't get that. My job is to bend the rules, you know, as a, as a defense lawyer or whatever, my job is to, you know, not is to create a solution for my client out of what we have. Right. And so back to the point is, interview question that we ask is I'll say something like you've got a brick and a bed sheet what can you do with it and I you know I want somebody who's going to come come up with something kind of wacky even you know like my COO who's a retired Air Force colonel um you know he was like well I'd make a weapon out of it and go beat somebody over the head and I'm like, well, okay. And, you know, and you're looking for somebody who's coming up with something kind of creative and, and, and can solve those, you know, just whatever problem or, or make it you know, anyway. So that's my wacky um, interview question right now that I'm using to provoke people. So. Yeah. And, and, and it's this interesting sort of test to see, how they not just of their creativity, but like how much how much can you be uh, be provoked? And and this is something that I use for detecting clients that might likely be horrible. Like because because what something I struggle with and try to do is I think I have a good smell for okay no, no, they're they're likely to this client is likely to be a problem bringer. Not I I oh, yeah. But, but but even though I think I have a good smell. Like I always want something stronger than my instinct and stronger than a strong spell. Okay, if someone does this, this, and then if it does 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 one of these things, then it's likely correlated to this sort of narcissism or whatever, which yeah. is uh, which I want to stay away from. That's really astute, and that's um, I had never thought. Of I, I really like this problem solver, problem bringer idea um, because I think a lot of people define themselves by that um, and, 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 and just how they look at the world. And maybe that's really important for us to think about as professionals is asking, is this person that wants my, now we're using air quotes, help, is this person... You know, just 
being a problem bringer or are they a problem solver that actually needs my help and my expertise to help them? Because, you know, the victims are going to be problem bringers, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I, I think it's interesting to come up with like with uh, with your own little methodology in order to say, okay, we can ask these sort of questions, talk to them in a sort of way, I uh, mm-hmm. judge them in the in, in these in these sort of ways. Like I, 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 my instinct keeps on telling me there are ways beyond our instinct in order to um, in order to notice um, notice these red flags. Yeah, I. Uh, wow, I've learned something today. I think I'm just going to go take a nap. So, um, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little tired still. As I was telling you, my. 21 year old and decided to have a pool party last night. And so here I am. That she invited dad to the pool party. I, I was just thrilled. Yeah. I was happy. You know, you know, when they, when they want to talk to you at that age, you're like, okay, yeah, that's great. So, so let's, let's riff on this for, uh, for five, for five minutes and, okay. uh, before we wrap up. I'm, I wonder if there are like, what sort of questions or things we can do in order to see, cause I uh, see, in a, in a more serious way beyond instinct, whether this potential client is, is like, is likely a, uh, a problem bringer. Um, and, by, and, and I'm going to just invent a few, uh, a few possibilities off the, off the top of my head. So this is pure, like uh, guitar riffing to continue the, uh, the band theme of, of our conversation right before we started recording. Um, I find it's something else I look for is what percentage of the words that someone uses in a conversation is I or me. And then, which, which of course you, you can, we're not robots, so we can't do it in real time, but it's like, how much of the conversation is me, 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 me. And or, although it, maybe it's the converse that maybe like in, in like for lawyers, it's like, they did this, they did this, they did this, they, they, they did this where, where um, like, maybe we can like, I, because people that just talk me, 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 likely high on the egotism, narcissism scale. Oh, yeah. yeah, scale, scale of things. Yes, the yeah, and the the narcissistic scale, which again, I'm sort of a, I'm such an amateur. I've I've, I've failed to learn the difference between psychology and psychiatry, um, <laughs> but but. Uh, Psychiatrists, uh, I, it, so the psychiatrists can prescribe drugs to you, which psychologists can. Yeah, I think I knew that. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm but you know, I, I've I've stayed away from I, I stayed away from medicine because my mother was uh, OBGYN, but she was a surgeon. Was, she did a lot of surgery, and she used to come home and say things like, "You know, she always wore glasses like this." She said, "I took a tumor out of a woman about the size of that roast beef, you know, right at dinner table." I'm like, "Oh <laughs> God, Mom!" And so, anyway, um, so yeah, forgive my uh, self-imposed ignorance of such things, but yeah, I mean, you know, I know that you know you've got these sliding scales like. Uh, and the narcissistic personality disorder is one of them. And when you're getting people with stronger narcissistic tendencies, they're going to play those games, right? Exactly. Their drama triangle is made for narcissists. Yeah, absolutely. And um, 
and and you know there's a selection bias for those people showing up in the law business by the way on both sides because there's a you know there's a real bias for narcissists going to law school think about uh, that that's that, that that's 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 a good point cuz going to your your point about the triangle um in the beginning if some people will become lawyers because they have this savior complex mm-hmm. and it's, yeah. it feeds my narcissism to be able to save all these other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, wow. We're going to show up, you know, I'm, I think we're going to get an invite to the American psychological association, you know, conference over this, this. Break. But, but what, 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 what I think, what I think what we're hinting at is that there might be some sort of perhaps informal narcissism detection algorithm and 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 the psychologists and psychologists the doctors will say no, no you need a formal diagnosis it's harder but for our purposes you have a half hour or hour with a potential client and and before you decide to hire that you decide if you want to work with them or not so you basically have 60 minutes in order to come up with an estimate that you think is good enough to say to say likely problems problem bringer or 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 or, or likely uh, likely problem solver yeah um, yeah and and you know some of it you just get from you know, street smarts building it up over the time to- over time i mean i i mean i can size it up pretty quick with people i mean i i, I don't take any new clients but hey by the way one of the things too that we watch for, and this is maybe a lagging indicator rather than a leading indicator, is who are the people giving you problems paying their bill? Okay, so uh, you know we give esti- you know we give estimates on what things are going to cost, but we're a solely hourly billing firm um, because that's you know that's just what works for us. I mean, I had a guy. Up in Kansas City yesterday, offered to throw a hundred thousand dollars down on the table and said, "Hey, this is a flat fee. Will you take my case to trial?" And we were like, "No," because I know how that works out, and we lose at the end of the day because you know then you're you know it just doesn't work. Um, it's just it's a bad deal for us. And um, the uh, but we we keep really tight leash on our receivables. And much more so than you know any law firm I know of, and I speak. I'm in a lot of mastermind groups with other law business owners. And man, when when we see people who are you know will not take respons- the financial responsibility, um, that's obviously a red flag to us on several levels, and 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 can be an indicator of you know of getting into a drama triangle. And by the way, guess what? I know which one of my lawyers, which not which one, which of, because there are several of them, are more prone to bringing home lost puppies, right? To to bringing home victims. And, you know, it's like Kristen would just as soon kick your ass as take care of you. And, you know, and she's a great lawyer, so I don't worry about her. So sorry about my language, but there you go. It's we're, we're adults, and I don't care about the rating, so uh, so so it is so it's fine. But so two points. One, I think it's an interesting point on Kristen. Like, as a manager, it's not just looking out for these signs; it's looking out for the people under you who will be more or less prone to be uh, to be sucked into these uh, mm-hmm. 
these horror stories. So there's like a meta level here, which um, which I like. Also, on your um, I, the, the, there's there's another interesting point, which is on detecting narcissists and or, or or problem bringers. What's what I realized listening to you on the lagging indicator of the in, uh, of them paying an invoice is it's the small things are often reveal the big things about your personality. You're saying before I'm like a true New Yorker. I grew up in New York in the Giuliani era. And one of the ways Giuliani massively brought down crime in New York was the broken windows policy. Oh, where yeah. they, just, they arrested people who did super tiny violations, jumping turnstiles on the subway. And guess what? Very consistently, those are the really big criminals as well. And what, what's powerful about that is you can is judging people who break the little things are the people, the people who break the little things are very likely the people who break the big things. So mm-hmm. when you have an hour to size up a potential client, you, that's a great moment to look for, look for these little things. Here's, here, here's another possibility. Like I'm trying to think what are the things you can do in that first hour meeting in your office? Like here's something tiny, tiny, tiny. You give you come when people come in for a meeting, just give them coffee. And like when, when you're, when you're done with the coffee, do they offer to like take the coffee cup? Like, like, Oh, you're back to the sink. Or do they just like, do they just leave a mess. And like, like I found more often than not, more than 50% of the time, the willingness to clean up after yourself on these little things is yeah. correlated with, you just want everything night and tidy and nice in your life. And you want to pay your invoices and so on. Yeah, that yes, that's that's pretty funny, and that you know they're they're uh, that's I'm kind of interested in that idea. Uh, <laughs> hey, by the way, I, I need to mention this um, because as as you kind of picked up, I'm an aficionado of the the drama triangle deal. Yes, um, or not well of the the broad concept, and I forgot to talk about the other side of the deal. So there's David Emerald. Yes. Um, is an author and a speaker, and he and his wife Donna. It's it's difficult to pronounce donk or something. She's really sweet and she's brilliant too. But he wrote about what um, he calls the empowerment dynamic, and where the it's an the same triangle, so to speak, except you're working with the creator. Instead of the victim, you're working with somebody who wants to create something. And that's that's maybe an important distinction. And then as a professional, your job is either as the coach or um, gosh, it's counselor or whatever. I always felt like the distinction between those two was was a little vague or maybe I'm just too stupid to understand it. But that's that's important. And we we talked about that too with the same distinction of problem solvers and problem bringers, right? You know, because when you have somebody that wants to be a creator, that wants to make something happen instead of being served and catered to like maybe somebody who will clean up their coffee cup, right? You know, same idea, somebody who will take responsibility, who wants to create something, who wants to create a new and better circumstance, then, um, that's somebody who you can really help. And again, you know, we're a business law firm. And when we have firm retreats, which we do every six months, I will constantly teach this stuff, usually about once a year, 
I roll it out. And I'm like, guys, we want to work with the creators because they're so much more fun to work for. I mean, I'm working with these guys right now who discovered that one of the old oil fields over in South Arkansas is full of lithium, right? And, you know, these guys, um, I, I asked them the other day, I said, hey, man, how much, what of America's demand for lithium can you produce out of there? And they go, everything. And, wow. and I'm like, oh, you know, these are guys I want to work with, Okay. And by the way, you know, from a professional standpoint of what we do, these are guys I want to work with on a lot of different levels because, hey, this is exciting and it's fun and it's rewarding to see them going places. And so you're really getting your jollies. You're getting your emotional payoff, right? Instead of just rescuing some dipstick, dingbat, right? Victim, you're getting your emotional payoff of building something with them, right? And, you know, by the way, the dirty little secret is they're more profitable at the end of the day because they're always doing something and they're always building something. And, you know, if you can make yourself valuable in their world, they're so much more fun to work with and so much more profitable because you're adding value when you've hitched yourself to people that are problem solvers and that need your help in solving problems and building. I I, I like that approach. My way of thinking about the comparable point is I I kind of think everyone's two different ways of seeing the world. Either, Either you argue over pie slices or you try to figure out how to make the pie bigger. And And something that I like about the Bay Area, like Silicon Valley, is fundamentally every question there turns into how do we make the pie bigger? While in, I'm from New York, the New York attitude is much more, okay, there is this pie. How do we make sure we get the biggest slice? <laughs> hey, now here's a great parenting deal that I did to my kids raising them. We'd have a cake or a pie or whatever, or, or, or you know, I'd make a pizza and I cut the the slices in different sizes and then like give one of them the small piece and just listen to them squawk. And I finally learned I'm not listening to you because, you know, I got a bigger piece than me. You got a bigger piece. And I'm like, shut up. You know, the, the most the biggest injustice you're facing in the world is the fact that you're breathing American air in the 21st century and you know, that's better than 99.95% of the people that ever live. So shut up. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of that. Yeah. And, and so, sorry, I got off on that. I was, you know, I've got, all by, the- by the way, I think I got something out of this. Like, I like the, or I, I like that approach to like, what's interesting about that is, is you thought it was interesting when, when I said, oh, I, I sometimes purposely, say things that are mistaken or uh or start arguments to uh to, to, to yeah, the person. I, this this isn't that far from that it's no like, it is it, it's creating a small problem just to uh just so that they can they can realize wow it's the biggest problem you have in your life is that your dad's giving you the smallest piece of pie you have a freaking awesome life yeah, yeah. Uncle, you win. I am a provocateur too. So <laughs> just let's just apply your parenting strategies to, uh, to the client, the client detection, strat- client narcissist detection strategies as well. Yeah, you know, 
Okay, you know, I'm getting lots to think about too. So, so before I went ahead at one point, and then um, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll wrap up. A lot of this uh, conversation has revolved around the question of how do you avoid these? Um, uh, how do you avoid clients that are likely to draw you into the drama triangle? Yeah. There's, a, there's another question that. Unfortunately, we have to wrap up, so we won't have time to dive into today. But I think I want to mention it for three minutes, and also, um, and for, it's because it's important for the uh, viewers to to think about. Also, is there's this parallel question of sometimes, no matter how good your detection algorithm is, you're going to detect badly and and take on these clients. And then I think you need a separate detection algorithm, which is as you're being drawn in, I think there's a human flaw that as you start getting emotional and connected, you don't realize it. So it, so once you, so as you're getting drawn in, it becomes harder and harder to realize that you're going down this emotionally unhealthy path and it's going to blow up. So it's, so there's this other question of how do you realize that when, once you're in the thick of it, because you, you, you want to realize when you're earlier, not later when you're uh, drawn in, uh, that makes it easier to extricate yourself. Yeah. Well, I've got it easy in this regard. Um, the, the easy thing from our, our, our situation is the money because when, you know, the, there's also a selection bias that these cases tend to get expensive when they're working with us. And, um, you know, we we just keep such a short leash on our receivables that that's that's good, and so there you go. Now that's Plan A. That's not always going to be the case, and and I'm thinking back about other cases when and look, I made this mistake many times in my practice. I mean, and that's one reason I'm good at it. It's kind of like my my dentist when I was a kid used to have a sign on his wall that says the best dentist has the most cavities, right? So, you know, they've, they've learned a lot of hard lessons. And, um, you know, when you are really feeling drawn in, when you are feeling, uh, starting to lose your independent professional judgment, because you're, you know, you, you, yeah. And you're you you know that okay I'm 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 throwing too much emotion at this and too little profession, if that makes sense. And so, so what um what I would add to I, I agree with that you 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 have to be on top of it. I'm trying to think of strategies offhand to uh, to help minimize that and. The best one I can think of isn't that good, but I find it interesting in your life story that you're telling us in the beginning about how you made this transition from uh, from being this local small town lawyer to like starting your own firm. And I think this is something that's powerful about having business partners because when you have a business partner, let's say like other lawyers in your firm, as you're this is your case, you're getting drawn in. Your other partners. They're the ones who know you well and watch you, but they're not involved in that case. So there's something powerful that a partner, uh, I think one of the most powerful rules of 
of, of, of having partners in the firm or a role, one of the most powerful roles of having a, part, a partner in the firm or partners is that they can be this early warning detection dude. You're getting too emotional, too attached there. You need, you, you need to calm it down. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. And we, you know, we do that for our, our legal team. I, I don't have partners. I own the firm and, um, and, but, you know, we work as a team and the, the you know, my, my point is, look, I'll, I'll manage the company and, um, and I'll do a better job managing the company than having a, you know, most law firms are run like fraternities. Okay. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, management by committee is not very effective. I've used to be a partner in a law firm and I'm not a fan of the business model. Um, because and and you know the attorneys that work for us make the same amount of money. It's just better run, and that's my percentage in the game. But anyway, yes, having you know partners or having management going, hey, this is not working, and, and yeah, completely, absolutely, good point, Morgan. And and with and with that, it's uh, it's time to wrap up. This has been. Super, uh, super interesting. I learned a whole bunch, including. I did too. Uh, yeah, and, and, and to me, the best episodes are the ones like this, where where both of us learn and we come with some some ideas and then practical tips. I kind of want to develop uh, my own startup of a narcissism detection algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> well, sounds good. Well, if hey, only there were buttons to press for that. Yeah. Well, hey, I really appreciate being on here. This was fun. I learned some stuff. I'm going to go have a, another sissy water, as we like to call these LaCroix things. They're called sissy waters around here. <laughs> I've, uh, I've also learned some slang. Sissy uh, water, Missouri, uh, if you're south of the Missouri River, who knew? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, hey, thanks. And, and, and everyone who made it to the end, Thank, uh, uh, thank you, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. <laughs>